everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. What we did there was sort of an illustration of what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes. And to sort of illustrate that idea, um, there's some things that when, it, when we talk about the idea of needing a, like a refresh start when it comes to our faith or, or needing a, a softened heart, there's some things that are important. So last week, if you were here with us, uh, we, we just looked at you know, some of the attributes of God, characteristics of God, uh, sort of these, this figurative uh, look at what Ezekiel saw of who God is, that we saw God in his humanity, which, which under, what, we, what we see there is that he understands what you go through. He understands what you deal with. Uh, we see God as a lion, and that mean, that, what that means is that God is to be revered, uh, there, that, that God is good, uh, but, he's, but he's also to be feared and, and revered. Uh, we saw God as an ox, uh, meaning that an ox's responsibility mainly is to bear burdens, and that's exactly what Jesus has done for you, that he's bared your, your burdens. He, he took on um, our, our sin and, and that burden that, that we don't have to carry. He carried it for us. And then we uh, looked at Jesus as sort of the eagle, okay? And, and the idea of, of that was is that um, he, his, his wings are wide uh, and, he, and he wants to be, allow you to be able to jump on his w- wings and to soar and to be delivered out of whatever it is uh, that, that you need to be delivered from. And so we looked at the, sort of these pictures of what Ezekiel saw of, of the characteristics of God. So we're going to kind of pick it up and, and what, another thing that's also very profitable for us, profitable for us is, is, is the scriptures. It says this, in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed out and is profitable. All scripture is God-breathed out and it's, and it's profitable. Um, a number of years ago, um, we, my family, we had a dog. Um, his, his name was Samson. And so I figured I'm going to talk about my pet because there's a scene to be from last week, a lot of pet lovers uh, in the room. Uh, never been so, people got so upset with me uh, when I told you not to talk to your animal, uh, but to talk to a human instead. Uh, I thought people were going to leave. I thought it was, it was like I had to just like end the service. So I figured, well, I'm going to just speak to my audience. And so I'm going to talk about my, my dog. So my dog was, had an addiction to paper uh, and, and socks. He loved paper and he loved socks. And anytime he saw socks laying around or paper laying around, he just ate it. That's what he did. He just ingested it. He just took it, took it in. And so um, one time my dog was at uh, my in-law's house and they had two, uh, I think there were two $50 bills. They may have been $200 bills. I can't remember, but there were two $50 bills on their, their table ready to be put into a, a, a card for, for somebody's birthday or something along those lines. And my dog sees these two paper he just sees paper. He doesn't know what, what, what it is. He just, all he sees is just paper. And he eats, he eats two $50 bills right off the table, right? And so um, they're like, you wouldn't believe it. The, I had two fifty. They're telling us a story. Well, a number, not too long after that, I'm doing the, the job in the backyard. <laughs> you know the job. That, that was very profitable for me that day. 
It's very profitable. You're like, you, you just scooped it up and put it in a garbage bag and threw it away, right? No way. I spent that hundred bucks. I don't know if it's still circulating out there or not, but it's very, very profitable that day. All scripture is God breathed and it is profitable, profitable for you. I tell you that story because of what happens next in Ezekiel. It says this. We're going to pick it up in Ezekiel 2. It says, Then he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. So what, what's, where, we, where we picked it up was Ezekiel sees this vision, right? Vision of God or, you know, of, of a, with a face of a human, face of an ox, face of a lion, face of an eagle, right? And so that would floor you like it floored Ezekiel. So Ezekiel's down on the ground like going, what in the world am I looking at? The, 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 you know, the glory of God, the beauty of God. This is crazy. And so now this voice is saying, son of man, stand up on your feet. Get up, get up, and I will speak with you. So this phrase, son of man, Jesus used it often, and it was just a phrase that identified him as a human. It identified him as, as somebody who was, you know, uh, just human characteristics, broken, depraved, you know, you know, short, had shortcomings. Listen, so he's describing them in, the, in that way. Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. Verse two says this. And he had spoke to me, the spirit entered, and as he spoke to me, the spirit entered me and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. And so this is an important point for all of us. It's like, what, what does the Spirit of God do for you? Well, the Spirit of God, you know, sort of brings to light, okay? The Spirit of God illuminates the Word of God for us. This is still a, a thing for all of us today. If you know Jesus, you're a Jesus follower, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you, and the Spirit of God illuminates the, the Word of God, the speaking of the Word of God. And so he says, he set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking. He spoke to me, the, the Spirit entered me, and, he, and it illuminated what God had to say. So here's what he says next. As for you, son of man, you are not to fear them, nor fear their words. Though thistles and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions, you are not to fear their words nor to be dismayed at their presence since they are a rebellious house. So God's speaking to Ezekiel and he's saying, listen, son of man, you, I don't want you to fear the people that I want you to go and I want you to give a message to. I don't want you to fear. He goes, and he describes these people as thistles and thorns, right? Anybody have an experience before with thistles and thorns, right? They poke, they stab, they hurt. They're like, ah, you know, like they take jab. These are, you know, and so before they were called trolls, they were called scorpions, you with me? Before they were trolls on the internet, they were called scorpions. And so you know these kinds of people, the people that just want to hurt. They want to just jab. They want to just take a shot. They want to just, you know, get their point across and they just want to be hurtful. And, 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 that's, and so this is what Ezekiel's kind of stepping into. And he's like, I, want, I don't want you to fear their words. I don't want you to fear what they, even though they're thorns and they're thistles and they're like scorpions. He says, I don't want you to do it. He says, he says they're not to fear their words or to be dismayed at their presence. That they are, they're, just, they're just a rebellious people. And so he goes on and tells Ezekiel this. He says, verse 8, Now you, son of man, listen to what I am speaking to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth wide and eat what I am giving you. And so he's going, listen, I, want you to, I don't want you to be like them. 
I don't want you to be like the world is. I don't want you to act like the way that the world is. I don't want you to be hurtful. I don't want you to try to get in a jab. I don't want you to, you know, be, you know, kind of create this, you know, tension or this turmoil or cause this friction or this division. He goes, that's what everybody else does. But Ezekiel, I don't want you to be like them. I don't want you to be rebellious like them. He says, so open your mouth wide and eat what I'm giving you. Eat what I'm giving you. So then he says this, verse, uh, going into chapter three now. Then he said to me, son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So he's, I, I want you to I want you to eat what I'm giving you, and then I want you to go and speak, right? We, we understand how this works, right? Like whenever you find that, whatever that meal was or that restaurant was, right? When you go there and eat and that was a good experience for you, what do you do? You go and speak that experience and you say, you need to go and have that meal or you need to go and check out that restaurant. Am I right? So this is what he's saying to them. He says, I want you to eat this scroll. I want you to go and I want you to speak to the house of because I, what I'm going to give you, this is good. So, so then he then says in verse two, now this is the King James. I like this better. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that roll. All right, everybody. <laughs> it's time to eat that roll. Go for it. Let's go. Where's mine? I need a roll. Thank you to Bake Shop 323, everybody. Where is that? There they are. The Packwoods. Thank you. Are you guys taking this in? Is this good stuff or what? We're just doing what the scripture tells us to do, right? You keep eating that roll. Oh, this is good. If you're watching from home, you're, you should have showed up to church today. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so look what he says next. So Ezekiel literally ate a scroll that came from the hand of God. And God says, I want you to eat that role, my words, my words. And then it says in verse three, and he said to me, son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll, which I am giving you, which I'm giving you. He goes on to say this, he says this, then I ate it and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. Isn't it? Listen to me. Listen to me. As good as this roll is that you're eating right now, so 
is the very words of God for your soul. The psalm says it this way, Psalm 119, whoever wrote it, we don't know, could have been Daniel, could have been David. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. He says, he says this, or Proverbs says this. He says, my son, eat honey, for it is good. Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. And then here's what Solomon says. Know that wisdom is the same for your soul. He's like, you know how when you eat a cinnamon roll, or in, in our terms, or in their terms, like, you know when you eat Honey from the honeycomb, he's like, that's like good. It's so good. It's so good. But know that wisdom is the same for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. When Jesus was in the wilderness and Jesus was, didn't eat anything for, for 40 days and, and the enemy shows up. In, his, in Jesus' most weakest and vulnerable state. And he starts tempting Jesus, right? And he tells Jesus, hey, you see this rock? If you're, if you're truly the son of God, you can, turn, you can turn that rock into bread. And you can, you can eat it. You, you won't, you'll, be, you'll be satisfied. You'll be full, you know, filled. And Jesus' response to him was this. The enemy, he says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The word of God is a remedy for a hardened heart. And if you want a fresh take on your faith, and if you want to no longer live in a state of feeling dry and empty, the word of God is that solution. It is sweeter than honey. And Ezekiel literally ate the role that God gave him. And Ezekiel's response was, this is so good for me. Psalm 19 was written by David. And Psalm 19 is sort of a shortened version of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of the Bible. And the majority of Psalm 119 talks about the word of God and the importance of the word of God. So I would encourage you in your leisure time to go and read Psalm 119. This is sort of the homework that I'm going to give to you this week. But Psalm 119, written by David, as a matter of fact, C.S. Lewis called it, he says, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. He's describing, C.S. Lewis said, this is Psalm 19 is the greatest Psalter. This is the greatest poem, greatest song lyrics written in all of the world. And here's what Psalm 19 says. We're going to pick it up in verse 7. And it gives different adjectives to describe the word of God gives different ones, and we'll look at them. But he says, the, way, the first way he describes the word of God is he calls it the law, the law. And he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. And then he says, restoring 
the soul, restoring the soul. So the law of the Lord is perfect. It's, it's without error. The word of God that God gives us is, is without error. It's perfect. It's, the way, it's exactly the way that God wanted it to be. It's exactly what God wants you to know, and it's perfect. And what it will do, it will, it will restore the soul. It restores the soul. So, for example, you, you know this. Anytime your technological device begins to get drained throughout the day, what do you have to do? You have to recharge it. You have to recharge it. So every time that you're, you go throughout your day, depending on how much you use your device, you have to make sure that that gets plugged in. That gets plugged in. In the same way, that's how it works when it comes to our lives. As you go about your life, the, the power source for your life is the word of God. As you go, you're going to get, you get drained and drained and drained spiritually, physically, emotionally. What, what gives you that charge and where the power's at in your life is in the word of God. It restores the soul. You've, you've heard that phrase before, haven't you? In Psalm 23, right? He restores my soul. That's what the shepherd does for us. That's what the words of our shepherd does for us. It restores our soul. James describes the law or the word of God this way. Here's what James says. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Now, this is also a very practical illustration. When you got up this morning and you went into the bathroom and you looked at yourself in the mirror, you didn't think, I'm good. Maybe some of you did. Maybe some of you did. And if that's you, God bless you. You have incredible genetics. Praise God for your, your ability to just get out of, roll out of bed and, you know, and, and just walk out the door. But for the most of us, we got out of bed and we looked at our natural selves in the mirror and thought, oh boy, I got, how much time do I have, right? But this is what James is saying. He says, those who are just a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word are like those who walk into the bathroom, look at themselves in the mirror and do nothing to fix it. Nothing to fix it. It says, for, verse 24, for once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. <laughs> Very practical. Then he goes on to say this, but the one who has looked intently at the perfect law. And then he describes the law of freedom, the law of freedom. You know what God's word does? It sets you free. It sets you free. It sets you free from addictions, struggles, hangups, shortcomings. It sets you free. God's word sets you free. So that's why we gotta continue to plug in plug in on a regular basis to God's word. It's perfect. It's the perfect law. And that law will set you free. But you can't just be a hearer of it. You gotta be a doer of it. It can't just be about showing up and sitting in a seat. It can't be about that. It, it has to be about showing up, 
listening, hearing, but then actually going and applying it to our life. Just like you apply the power into your phone or into your device or whatever it is that you connect power to, you have to do it and I have to do it on a regular, regular basis. And then he says this, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed. This person will be blessed in what he does. Psalm 19, go back to Psalm 19, second part of verse 7 says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony. So now he's describing the word of God, not just as the law, but he's describing it as the testimony of the Lord. And it's the testimony of the Lord is sure. It's sure. Which means it's, 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 it's firm. It's solid. Okay? So, for example, when you walked in here, when you walked in here, when you sat down, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you knew that the chair that you sat down in was going to hold you up. Did anybody have any doubts? Okay, good. This is what the word of God does for us. The word of God, when you sit down, the word of God props you up. You know what would be weird? It would be weird if you came in and you got to your chair and you picked it up. And the whole time that I was talking, you were standing there just holding your chair. Wouldn't that be weird? Like, like don't do this. This, this wouldn't, it wouldn't be funny. If you just came in next week and, yeah, do it. That'd be funny. <laughs> if, you, if you got here, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to hold. Listen, listen. This is what we look like when we think, I need to try to figure out how to defend the Bible. I need to figure out how to, to figure out how to, you know, prop up the Bible in my list. Listen, listen. The Bible doesn't need your help. The Bible has been doing just fine for a very, very, very long time. The Bible doesn't prop, you don't need to prop the Bible up. The Bible props you and me up. Right? The Bible props you and me up. You, you, the word of God is not something for you to go, oh, I got to just figure out how to defend it and make sure that nobody's offended by it. And then, no, no. Listen, the Bible's been doing just fine. The Bible props us up. And it is sure, just as sure as you are when you came in here and you found your season ticket seats. You guys all have the same seats. I know where to find everybody. I know when you're missing. I know when you're not here because nobody will dare to sit in your seat. And I'm just, you're just as sure, just as sure. That's the word of God. You had no doubt that it was gonna hold you up. And it will make wise the simple. It'll make wise the simple. Here's the way that Jesus put it. He says this, therefore, if anyone who hears these words of mine, and here it is again, this is what James would say, and acts on them, will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Right? 
is the rock a sure foundation? Of course. He says, anybody who hears my words, but then not just as a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word, acts on them, will be like a wise man who is building his life on the sure foundation of the word. He says this, go down, just verse 25. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the sure rock. And then he goes on to say this, or, and anyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. You know what's not that sure? Sand. And he says in verse 27, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and it collapsed was great. This is what it boils down to. The word of God is sure. It's sure. And it gives wise, it gives wisdom to the simple. But it's not just being a hearer of it. It's being a doer of it. It's not just being a hearer of it. It's acting on it. And when you do that, you're building your life on the sure, firm foundation of the rock and not sand. Because here's what was common in Jesus's example. The rain's coming. The floods come. The wind blows, right? It, that's life. Wind, rain, floods. That, 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 that's coming. So when it comes, Jesus would say, what's best is if your life is built on the sure foundation, the rock, and not the sand. Let's go back to Psalm 19, verse 8. Here's another descriptor of the word. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So what, what will the word of God do? Well, it's, it's right for us. It's, it's the right way to live. It's not the wrong way to live. It's the right direction to go, not the wrong direction to go. And what will happen is when you do that, your emotions will follow. So you, when we, we become faithful to the word of God and when we ingest the word of God, then what, what will happen is, is that you'll love the word of God. Listen, this is how the heart works. Where your treasure is, your heart will follow. So when you decide to act and to do and to live out the word of God, you know what will eventually follow when you make the word of God your treasure? Your heart and your joy and your emotions, that will follow. It will rejoice the heart. It will rejoice the heart. Jeremiah, here's what Jeremiah says. He's, Jeremiah also has a diet of eating the word of God. Your words were found and I ate them. I ate them. And your words became, look what he says, a joy. They became a joy. Right? So maybe you're like going, I, I, I've started and it's just like, I don't know where to go. And you're like, I did this one year Bible plan and I know what happened. I know what happened. You got to numbers, right? <laughs> and you hit on your one year Bible plan, it hit numbers and you're like, I can't do it anymore. 
I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. I get it. I get it. I get it. But listen, listen. Jeremiah, his, his advice, and David's advice in Psalm 19, and Ezekiel was, was learning. He says, listen, I found it. I started eating it, your words, and then it became joy. My heart just started rejoicing in it. And it was delight from my heart. For I have been, Jeremiah would say, for I have been called by your name, the Lord God of armies. Hey, you know what the right thing to do is? Start reading the word of God. Take it into your life and then eventually it will become your heart will catch up to what you treasure and it will become a joy and you will rejoice over the beauty and the goodness of the word of God. The older and older and older I get, the more I am just blown away by the amazing, incredible word of God. I, I can't tell you how much I love eating and then speaking. It's the joy of my heart. It's my passion. And, and, and it shouldn't just be for me. It's also for all of us. You're like, well, you're the preacher. It's what you're supposed to do. No. We all have access to the very word of God. We all have access to it. And he says, I just, wanna, I just want us to eat it. And when you eat it, it will be sweet as honey. It will. And you've been called. You've been called. And he knows your name. And he's called you to take in his word. Let's go on. Verse, second part of verse eight. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. So it... it the, the, the word pure there means clear, clear, okay? It means clear. Anybody contact or glass, glasses wear, okay? Anybody? Okay, good. I wear contacts, okay? When I wake up in the morning, when I even look in the mirror, I can't even see anyways. <laughs> so then I put my contacts in, and then I can see clear, and then I realize, oh boy, I got work to do. Right? So here's what he's saying. He says the word of God, or, or the way he describes it now, the command of God is pure, or it's, it's clear, it's clear, and it brings light to the eyes. It brings light to the eyes. You've heard this verse before in Psalm 119, which is your homework for this week to read. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In the wintertime when, when it was getting dark early, um, I, would, I would still want to go out, you know, for runs, but it was like getting dark at like six o'clock, whatever. And my wife, you know, was like, um, you know, can you like wear something to where you don't get hit by a car as you're out on the road, running in the road? And, and uh, so I decided, sure, I'll, I'll pick up something. And so I picked up 
a hat. I picked up a hat. Yeah, yeah. So when I go running, in the, when it's dark out, I got my hat with my light. Can you see my light? My, you're like, yeah, I can see the light. It's like shining me, right? So I, it's, it's just so that I, when I go, I don't, you know, my wife is not as nervous when I'm out in the road because, you know, you see my hat, my fluorescent hat with the light shining and, and, and I can, and then it helps me too, like when I'm out on the path, I can see any kind of obstacles or anything that, you know, if I can see all the critters coming out of the, you know, bushes or whatever, I can see that ahead of time. So this is, this is what the word of God will do. The word of God is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Ephesians says it this way. Ephesians 1.18 says, says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. God says, I, I, my prayer is that you know, that your eyes are, are enlightened, that you see the path that is ahead of you. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. Psalm 19 verse 9 says this. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. I just got back from a, a Disney World trip with my family. And so I think last week I had a little illustration. And this week I also have an illustration. So when I think about clean, I think about Disney World, okay? Every time, we, anytime I go to Disney World, you, you'll see, and, and they do a great job, but you'll see garbage cans that look like this. Anybody been to Disney World before? Anybody? Okay. So there's actually a rule there's actually a rule that was established by Walt Disney himself that said, said this, every 30 steps someone takes, I want to make sure that they can locate a garbage can. And so he says, every 30 steps, I want to make sure that if they have, you know, holding, you know, hot dogs or whatever, or ice creams or drinks or whatever, that they can dispose of that. And as a result of that, their, their parks are impeccably clean. They're impeccably clean. Why? Because there's a rule. Every 30 steps, you can dispose of your garbage. Now, the word of God is clean in a sense that every 30 steps I take, I need to be cleaned by the word of God. You with me? Every 30, I feel like every 30 steps I take in my life, there's something that I need from the word of God to give me a cleanse, to, to make me right, to get me recalculated on the right path of what God has for me and for you. And so he says the word of God is clean. It's, it's every 30, it's not once a week. You know, it's not, you know, a, a, a couple minutes, you know, like every five days or whatever. Every 30 steps, we need the word of God. And he says the word of God, it endures forever. The other thing, um, one of my favorite rides at um, Disney World Parks is this uh, ride right here. Anybody familiar with this ride? Okay, it's called Spaceship Earth, okay, it's one of the most, you know, recognizable figures at Disney parks, this globe, this sphere right here at, at, at Epcot. This is, this is the most incredible ride. Now, is it, is it like thrilling? No, it is not. There's nothing thrilling about it. But this ride right here, this ride, this ride is the history 
of the Bible. It's the history of the Bible. If you ride on this ride and you have a view of and, and of understanding how the Bible came to be, it's this ride right here. Now, they, they take it from like where communication began, you know, in some so writings on cave walls to now, you know, the technological age that we live in. That's sort of their take on it. But when you look at it, and from a different point of view, from a different lens, and that is from the word of God or how the word of God came to be, that's exactly what this ride is. It starts with talking about how the Egyptians were making this, this paper or creating paper for people to write on so they no longer have to write on cave walls, but they can now write on this what's called papyrus, okay? And so they were, they were making this papyrus paper. And then it goes from there and it talks about how like the, the Phoenicians, the Phoenicians were, created the alphabet. They created the alphabet. So now that there's a, there's a, a structure to, to to writing so that the alphabet, so that, you know, writing and, you know, can, can make sense and, they, and it can be put on this papyrus type of paper. And then the Greeks, and then it shows as you continue on the ride, it shows the Greeks and their thinking and their reasoning. And it shows how the Greeks created the, the you know, they perfected the alphabet that came from the Phoenicians. And then if you go on and talk, it even shows like this, these monks that are taking the writings uh, that, that they got and they were were making copies after copies after copies after copies and they and they exhausted so much so many copies that they were stored in this in this library this massive library ancient library of Alexandria and they show how that library was burned but then they, they thought well everything is gone every everything that we have of detail that was written down is gone but it wasn't it was because there was these what they just said described as these Jewish scribes that had, had made exhaustive amounts of copies that even that library that was burned down was everything was still salvaged because these Jewish scribes who were, by the way, were writing down Old Testament laws and Old Testament covenants, Old Testament prophets and Old Testament writings. You know, the, the, the law of Moses and the po poetry and all the things that go part of the Old Testament. They, they, were, they wrote everything all down. This is all a part of that. This is all a part of that. And it went on and on and on. And it just talked about the history of, of the Bible. And he said, you say, what is the point of that? The point of that is this. Egyptians go, come and go. Greeks have come and gone. Phoenicians have come and gone. But you know what has always endured? The word of God has always endured. First Peter says it this way. He says this, for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. And then he says this, verse 24. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flowers falls off. But then he says in verse 20, 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which is preached to you. Egyptians are like grass. Phoenicians are like grass. Greeks are like grass. 
Babylonians are like grass. Persians are like grass. Germany was like grass. Romans were like grass. Russians are like grass. Sorry, Americans are like grass. But the word, the word endures forever. The word of God is clean. The word of God will clean you and me. And eventually you and I are like grass. We're gonna come and we're gonna go. But we'll always withstand the test of time and what will ever go away is the word of God because the word of God endures forever. Psalm 19 says it this way. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. The judgments of the Lord are true. They're righteous. What does that mean? That means the word of God is truth for you. What will the truth do? The truth will set you free. What will the truth do? The truth will give you freedom. What will the truth do? The truth will give you life. What will the truth do? The truth will give you a, a, a joy, a heart of joy, of rejoicing. The heart, the, the, what will the truth do? The truth will make you righteous. It will allow you to continue to be conformed in, into the image of, of, of Jesus. That's what the truth will do. The truth will, is transforming. The truth will change you. And, and, and he's saying to you, listen, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow, allow the, the judgments of the Lord that are, that are true for you to be right for you. Peter says it this way in, in chapter two. He says, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. You remember, remember what God said to Ezekiel? Hey, Ezekiel, I want you to take my scroll and I want you to speak it and it would be like sweet honey to you. You know what the message was? You know what the message was that Ezekiel had to give to the people who he described as scorpions, who he described as thistles and thorns? Look what he says. He says this, what he ate. When he spread it out before me, it was written on the front and the back and written on it were songs of mourning and sighing and woe. Wait a minute. How is that like sweet like honey? How is that like sitting there eating a cinnamon roll? And the reason why that's good and the reason why that's important and the reason why that's necessary because it's true. It's true. And all of us, the, what the world needs and what you and I need, we need truth in our life. Even if it's a message of mourning or sighing or woe, we need truth. Why? So that you can grow in respect of your salvation. So that you can grow when it comes to being more like Jesus. In the, in the first century when the church was exploding and people were coming to faith and the church was growing, like literally thousands overnight, people were putting their faith in Jesus. And that wasn't happening because it was easy. No, it was far from easy to be a Christian at that time. To be a Christian at that time was declaring that Caesar is not my king. Jesus is my king. And we're going to live our life in this community of faith that is contrary to the world. And you know what that got them? That got them death. Death. 
excruciating death. It's what got Jesus on a cross because he wouldn't conform, because he wouldn't give in. But listen, listen. Why did the church explode even in the midst of all that persecution? One reason, one reason. Because it was true. If you're not sure about Christianity and you're not sure about following Jesus because you actually kind of know what the Bible says and that sounds hard to you, I get that. But I'm not telling you to be a Jesus follower and I'm not trying to convince you to grow in your faith because it's easy. Of course it's not easy. I'm telling you to grow in your faith and become a Jesus follower because it's true. It's the truth. And it's the best way to live your life. Even when the word of God brings mourning and sighing and woe. We follow it. We do it. Because it's true. And then what will happen? It will become joy to you. And your heart will rejoice in the truth of it. And that's why David says in verse 10, Oh, your word, they're more desirable than gold. Yes, than much pure gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honey comb. Job said it this way. Job, you want to know his life? I have not failed the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You hear that? Do you hear it? More than I need food. I need the word of God. More than I need what I put into my mouth, I need what is coming out of the mouth of God. That's what I need. That's what I need. Brendan, can you hear me for a second? Real quick, come on up, come on, come on, come on. Brendan, lunch is on me today. Thank you. Taco Bell or McDonald's? Definitely not that one. McDonald's. McDonald's it is. Thank you. McDonald's it is. Thank you. That's it. God bless you. Go have a seat. That was it. That was it. The point, the point, Brennan, lunch was on me today, but after this, it's up to you. You hear me? Lunch was on me today, but after this, what you feed from the word of God and what you eat from the word of God, it's on you. Oh, I'll be back next Sunday. <laughs> and I'll provide lunch for you again then. But until then, I don't know, maybe like every 30 steps, you need to feed yourself from the word, from the, from the word of God.
Because your mindset is just like Job's. More than what I need to go into my mouth. I need what comes out of the mouth of God. And I'm not just going to be a hearer of it. I'm going to be a doer of it. And when I'm a doer, that foundation is sure. It's sure. It's as sure as the seat that you're seated in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time today to show a picture of what you've allowed us to put into our mouth, your broken body, your shed blood. We thank you for the illustration of a cinnamon roll, of goodness, the taste that we get from that, how sweet it is, just like as sweet as it is to put a cinnamon roll into our mouth, your word, your word that comes out of your mouth is so sweet, so sweet. And so God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that we can dive into it and, and feast on it and ingest it into our lives and then ultimately want to speak it because it becomes the joy of our hearts. And so Father, I pray that that's what we do. We don't just sit here and just take in a, a message or a, something from your word, but we, we go and we live it out and we act on it and we start putting principles in place of setting up time, probably every 30 steps that we take to read from the beautiful truth of your word, the truth that has changed and transformed nations. And it's changed and it's transformed our lives. Because we haven't put our faith in a perishable seed. We put our faith in an imperishable seed. And one day we're like grass that will wither and we're like flowers that will fail. But one day we know that your word, your word will continue to endure. We don't need to prop it up. It props us up. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.